0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24 7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. This podcast is weekly. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. You can always check out our stories. We write infinitely more than we than we podcast. 247sports.com slash Michigan, the Michigan Insider.com. Uh, you know, this week, we all admit I kind of dropped the ball. I forgot to field questions. And so. Uh, we're just going to run it ourselves, but, but there is enough going on that Michigan taking on Notre Dame, traveling to Notre Dame. We'll have four members, and myself included, live in South Bend to provide some good coverage. We were there all week at the press conferences, and then Steve also has has uh, what I think is probably one of the more interesting recruiting nuggets we've had since that commit fest that they had in late June, so we'll get to that as well. Should be a fun show, and Steve, just to start... Because this is, you know, kind of the thing the fans always. I, I'm when I was putting the show together, I was thinking like, what what would the fans ask? And I think the biggest one is, uh, how big are the injuries Michigan appears to have suffered? And we're not super into the injury gossip stuff, but there are relevant injuries. You know, obviously the big one, Tariq Black, out for a couple months at least uh, with what sounds like a, a foot fracture of the similar variety last year. Christian Turner, nothing has been confirmed, but there are photos out there of him in a cast. Usually, not a not a good sign. Brad Robbins was nowhere to be found at the open practice and has not been uh, linked, you know, to to playing anytime soon. Uh, there were a couple other guys missing. So, Steve, I guess my question for you, my, mainly black, but also any other injuries that that you find relevant. How much? Are fans overreacting to this news? Like, does Michigan have a have an opportunity uh, to to maybe not replace the players, but move past the injuries and be very very similarly good? Or, or are these things that are going to hurt?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, Tariq, the injury to Tariq is going to hurt Michigan. You know, obviously, the question, how much? the answer to that we don't really know um you know Tariq played I'm, I just that's why I'm kind of I'm not talking slowly but I wanted to check because uh Tariq played 111 snaps last year Nico Collins played 64 uh Shane Lee played 102 so you know we've I think we're at the point now where I think Collins has kind of entered that Michael Dwm for uh area where
0: yeah it's almost just so past much buzz hype. Uche's in there too, yeah.
1: Yeah, I know people are kind of, I think production is expected. (laughs) Um, So if he steps up, like it sounds like they believe he can, could offset that loss to an extent. Um, Again, we don't know how long Tariq is going to be out, uh, but Michigan's schedule gets significantly easier after this game until I believe, is it Wisconsin or Michigan State? I can't remember, or is it Penn State?
0: Wisconsin comes first.
2: Yeah. Then, then Michigan
0: just, you know, State, okay. then a week right. off, and then Penn State. And I believe, I mean, if he's out eight weeks, say, he'll be back for Penn State.
1: There you go. So, you know, easier for a little while anyway. Give some of the other guys, maybe an Oliver Martin or a, uh, who knows? I mean, or dare we say a, a Ronnie Bell. <laughs> uh, guy, You know, but that's... I don't uh, laugh at the is, thought,
0: but I laugh at what the fans would think, you know, if they're...
1: <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. He, uh... The thing with Tariq's injury is it's – I think they can overcome it, but what, but it, what it really does more than anything is, is wide receiver is now an absolute 1,000% danger zone if another injury occurs. And that's where – I think that might be the bigger issue. Um, not to say that Tariq wasn't on his way to having a huge year. I think he was. I mean, he, you could argue he was their best receiver last year until he got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. So it's definitely a big loss in that regard. Um, but when you, when you throw in the the tight ends and uh, Evans out of the backfield, I, I do think there are enough weapons or potential weapons in the passing game to maybe, um, you know, offset it as much as you can. Maybe uh, to me, I mean, I don't know uh, if Brad Robbins doesn't play that's, that means it's gotta be Will Hart. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm a big, big special teams uh, person. I, I think, one of the keys to this entire season is Michigan reversing last year's uh, horrible job of winning the field, field position battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have a defense as good and as experienced as this defense is going to be, uh, if you can consistently give them a longer field to defend, I think, Michi- I think that's Michigan's best chance to uh, win 11 games or more this year. Uh, last year, the offense was horrible at sustaining drives. Uh, and the punting game was, was poor and inconsistent as well, you know, and, and those two things really put a ton of pressure. Uh, you know, again, it really, you look back, like, I think what Michigan's defense did last year was amazing when you consider those two things uh, that yeah. they couldn't sustain, couldn't sustain drives offensively and they had a horrible punting game uh, or at least inconsistent at best,
0: you know, Yeah. It, Cause too
1: much Robbins was yeah.
0: over 40 yard average, but it was like every four punts or so right, it was a dud. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and that hurts when your offense is when you're punting as many times as Michigan had to because their offense couldn't sustain right. So, um, so I think the injury to Robbins or their the situation at punter is is as alarming as the situation at wide receiver. Hmm. Um, it's probably fair. Just, yeah, just for that reason. I mean, again, I here's the flip side though. Is I, I mean, I think this offense is going to sustain more drives. So might not be a deal where they're going to be punting all the time out of their, from their own 25 or 30, you know, I think you'll see more first downs, uh, which may help alleviate some of that. But, um, you know, in 15 and 16, Michigan was among the top teams in the country in winning the field position battle. And uh, I think it kept them and won them some games.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, so I think that's going to be a big one, but yeah, I, I will, we'll have to see. Um, but the Tariq injury, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty clear it's on Nico Collins to more than the others to answer kind of answer the bell there a little bit.
0: Which, by the way, to unpack Nico Collins, because because obviously there was tons of talk all this week about Nico Collins. Pep Hamilton, I thought as much as he hates the media, he gives really honest, thoughtful answers sometimes, and I thought he had a great analysis of Nico Collins. You know, big guy who can sink the hips, who can do. Yep the comeback routes who can do some of the routes our, our smaller receivers do. That was his quote, roughly. You know, that's significant, and, and I think that's something that's new because we had heard, and this is the the clarification I wanted to make, we had heard he was the best receiver in fall camp before Tariq Black's injury, You know before he was ruled out, because obviously afterward they're going to hype Nico Collins up, build up his confidence, he might be a starter. But we had heard before fall camp that he was really – I mean, you know, and it's it's one of those things anyone who covered him as a recruit probably kind of saw that coming. He was, he was big. He was not immediately hyper-fast. You know, he's someone who probably takes a little bit longer to get open than, say, a Grant Perry, so he might take a little bit longer. And I'd be curious, you know, we talk about the true freshman receivers. How does it vary if you are 6'4", 6'5", with a 6'8 wingspan versus if you're, a slot receiver who's just faster than everyone else on the field so you know I think he was always someone that was going to take a, a beat you know take take a little while they they wanted to redshirt him initially last year and then uh, it became clear at least in their eyes from what I've been told that they weren't going to end up using the redshirt because he was going to end up leaving after four years anyways so so they ended up burning the redshirt and getting him some game experience as you said that's important to note. he didn't have Tariq Black's numbers but he did play similar snap totals, you know, so he's not uh, like this total newcomer.
1: Yeah, yep. Late, late in the season, the snap totals were there. I mean, like I said, the totals are – there's a discrepancy there for sure, but uh, once the – you know, down the stretch, uh, he was playing consistently, which is, you know, as – is really as valuable. And, and here's the thing, Crawford – so let's just look at, like, Peoples-Jones played 428 snaps last year at receiver. That's the most of any uh, – Number two and number four, Crawford and McDoom are no longer with the program. Mm-hmm. You have to think, you know, I, I feel like both of those guys may have gotten the
0: the firm handshake. Um, or they were shown that, you know, even if if Michigan wasn't necessarily doing that firm handshake deal, it could have just been a situation where... They kind of said what the depth chart was and the players well, that's, fairly that's, so yeah, that's, wanted out kind of what I'm kinda yeah what
1: the, I guess that's the way I was looking at the firm hand like I, th- hey, I see the firm handshake
0: as a kind of mish a program kind of not necessarily pushing but suggesting right. i mean they well, i mean they probably still would have loved to have had the depth but they're not going showing
1: them the by showing them the depth chart they're yeah kind of pushing a little bit i think so um so there's, it's clear they feel pretty good about some of these other guys, you know, because I mean, 404 snaps for Crawford, that's that's a lot, and he graded and Pro, pro Football Focus actually graded him out higher than People's Jones last year. So, um, again, not that that's the be all end all, um, but well, in
0: season long, right? It's a season long metric, right. so you know, I think right. I think People's Jones really struggled early. I think he had like something like a 30% catch rate in his first five games. Uh, just, you know, and, and also a target rate that was pretty low as well. So there was some growth there, but Big time. yeah, I, I think you're right though, that all of a sudden the receiver position, cause I get into this argument sometimes with, with Michael on, on WTKA. It's like the receiver position does not have a depth problem because they have four, five, maybe six. If you want to count Nate Shanley, who just got a scholarship this weekend, guys that they are comfortable playing out there. That's a, that's good, you know, compared to uh, most teams and, and historically speaking. But now suddenly, you know, 6 the difference between 6 and 5 or 5 and 4 is pretty big. And so, right. you know, right. they, yeah, they're in that boat where if they had another injury, they're probably looking around the field almost like seeing like, okay, Chris Evans, can you play the slot? Michael Barrett, do you want to go back on offense for a second? Ambry, Ambry Thomas. It, yeah, that'd be a no. good choice. Brad Hawkins. Yeah, so... You know, right now I think they're okay, but they are kind of in the balance a little bit where yeah, another injury, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's pressure to stay healthy there now. Not, I mean, there's always pressure to stay healthy, but, yeah, you lose a guy of Black's ability, stature. He was going to play, you know, a similar amount of snaps as people as Jones did last year if he was healthy, 428, something like that. Um, you know,
0: so. Had every it, making of being Michigan's best receiver and one of the best freshman receivers in school history. He was Agreed. on. He was on that pace. So, yep. it is what it is, right? And I, I think one thing. Back to my initial question: Are the fans overreacting? I, I am hesitant to say. I mean, it's a big loss, but it seems like it seems like fans kind of forget that like every team has injuries, right? You know, yeah. isn't Josiah Scott for Michigan State out for a significant amount of time? Tough Borland. I'm not sure what his situation. You know, uh, right. Penn State's had players out for the year or things like that, so... uh no, it
1: happens. That's why you try to recruit. That's where rec- that's where recruiting is important, and, you know, they got four guys they felt really good about in 17. All, you know, the, the other three appear to be primed to make an impact this year. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, even... And then Shane Lee as a walk-on, as a scholarship guy now. I, I kind of still think people aren't talking enough about him, but, um you know, we'll have to see, so...
2: Yeah.
0: It depends on who's talking. Yeah. Cause like, like we've talked about him. We've written about him a few times. I mean, superb blocker and also only was targeted four times last year, but he had five, uh, sorry, targeted five times, had four catches for 41 yards. Yep. So, you know, he's, he's someone that maybe isn't your go to, you're not dialing up plays for him, but he's there. Right. And he's, he's, a, he's, you know, a good bodied receiver that you can, you can throw out there for a few snaps here and there. So, yeah, as far as, you know, None of these injuries seem seem uh, dooming. I don't know what the word would be. No, I don't there really is no. That. There's no one injury. Maybe Shea Patterson. You know, we did our we did our top 25 most important Michigan players. That's probably your list of who is the most troublesome for Michigan to Where'd lose to three? injury. 12.
2: Okay. We'll so see the highest at receiver.
0: Yeah, People's Jones is 14. Um, yeah. and I I think his special teams kind of bumped him up there a little bit. But. I'd had Donovan. Donovan higher because oh. of special teams. But and uh, yeah, just because I I still
1: think he'd have been my breakout pick before
0: he was Black last week. We asked him. We asked you about your breakout pick. Yeah, no,
1: I just <laughs> so. still like that's you know so um so my p- p- uh, breakout pick is People's Jones. Everybody else's seems to be Collins. Makes you kind of feel like, okay, like there's an there's a chance here still that this is going to be all right. So
0: yeah, well, and and think about it. Their number four receiver is Oliver Martin, who twenty four seven had in the top one hundred, who has every makings of a future star. You know, so I agree. So we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I guess if they all struggle, then maybe you do look at it and say that injury hurts, but at, at the surface, certainly a survivable one. Anyway, right? It, it hurts, yeah. but it's not like the death blow
1: by any means. That's kind mm-hmm. of the gist of this: is like it's
0: going to hurt. There's no to say that it doesn't hurt would be dismissive and incorrect. Bl-
1: you'd be blind, yeah, yeah, to like it'd be just uh, willful, being willfully blind. Um, you know, but it's something I think they can overcome.
0: You know, the other, the, really, my main thought was, I just felt so bad for Tariq, right? Because he was was talking to us on, like, what, Monday or Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday, you know, about how glad he is, how relieved he is to be fully healthy, to have gone through the rehab and, you know, actually be ready to play again. Uh, I think his quote was, I'm just so excited to help the team, help the team win, and then, like, four days later, you know. So, but, yeah, not to dismiss it, it is kind of, a little bit of the nature of football. I, I If there's a team that didn't have a starter go down with injury in a whole season, I'd be cu- very curious to see that team, because I don't think that happens very much Agreed. in the game of football. So uh, other other topics, I know one that I'm sure we would have gotten a question about, offensive line. I, I was kind of skeptical, so I did 10 fall camp takeaways, and I think I threw the offensive line in there, but even then, I kind of noted like, I think I even titled it: "The offensive line is talking the talk." Right? They're saying the right things about how they're more physical, how they're they're bigger, faster, stronger. I think Karan Higdon had a had a good quote this week: "Stronger, faster, leaner. They can just do things they couldn't do before." Uh, here, if I have to hear the offensive line is simpler one more time, I'm going to scream. That's one of those right. questions. Yeah. Uh, that that and any question about Ben Herbert or. Or the confidence that the team has—it's like those, you know—we're getting to that point where I'm ready for ready to cover actual games and and real evidence stuff. But I think someone—I think it's a fair question. You know, we hear this so much, and we hear it from people that we know are honest in interviews. Karan Higdon, honest guy. You know, Chase Winovich, honest guy. Greg Madison, very honest guy. And I don't mean these. Other guys aren't honest, but like they might divert to the cliches so as not to make anyone mad. Because what are they going to say? The offensive line looks worse. No, right. Right? But it seemed like the way that they said things uh, seemed a little bit more genuine. I thought I thought Greg Madison especially, you know, because he's someone he he's been coaching defensive lines. I I looked it up earlier today, forty one years. So I'm inclined to believe that when he thinks fall camp was more physical, because he didn't say the offensive line is. Better. He says, I'm very impressed with the offensive line. They have made things very physical in practice. So I'm curious, to, you know, I, I think this is a question someone would have asked. How? Where do we draw the line in, in in some of these quotes as far as what's coach speak, what's not? And do you believe the offensive line will be better this season, even with the loss of Mason Cole? Well, we're going to find out on Saturday. <laughs> play Notre Dame. Do more, say less. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh, just win. Yeah. So um no, they'll be better. Um you know, there's the thing here's the thing is like there's a lot of talent out there. It's not as if it's a makeshift group. Yeah. You know, that they're kind of throwing out there, uh, especially in the interior. Uh Bradison top one hundred guy, Ruiz top one hundred guy, on Wenu, top one hundred guy. Um you know, if we see Hudson, which I assume we'll at least see him at some point. I don't know this Saturday. Well, I don't know, but at some point this season mm. we'll see him. Uh, top one hundred and fifty guy. Um, you know, Runyan maybe the not the the maybe the lowest recruiting profile out of anybody out there, but at the same time was also the son of a great. Yeah, has the bloodline there. I mean, well, so and,
0: and Ed Warner's quotes about him before fall camp. We have not gotten Ed Warner in fall camp. That's in. I think relevant to note, but before fall camp, I mean, he, he gave about as high praise for Runyon as I've come across in those kind of like pre-camp praise situations. I mean, talking about sure. how he's attacked the weight room. So yeah, you're onto something. Keep going though.
1: No, I just, I mean, I think like, I just think they will be better. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't, what, what, how are you supposed to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> back that up at this point. like yeah. I just—I I think the there's a growing experience. And I guess, you know, part of me at some point, there's gotta be some kind of tipping point, you know, where the combination of talent, hunger, and just like anger. I mean, these guys are, I don't know if they're reading it. Well, Ben, Ben deleted Ben T- Bredesen. I mean, he deleted his Twitter completely. I don't know if that's uh Based on I don't know, like the fans like giving these offensive line. I hope crap. not. I don't know if Peterson was think, targeted
0: like that, but maybe I don't
1: think it is. I don't think it is. I just yeah. don't know. Like he, but I, it's noteworthy that he is. He's gone off of social media, mm. and uh, you know, and I, I just wonder. Yeah, I just kind of feel like at some point it's got to kind of turn around, and 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 when I say turn around, I mean not just to the point where Michigan's solid up front, but to where they can go back to, you know, beating a quality opponent, like beating a quality opponent up front on the other side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Like this Saturday, it's like, I think Notre Dame has a pretty good defensive line, but I don't think it's a, or a defensive line. I don't think it's a line that's like impenetrable. I don't think it's a line that they can't win that battle up front. Right. I actually, I think it's a very good first test for them. It uh, is. Yeah. Start the season. Like it's not something uh, it's not one of the, you know, I think we'd say what probably Ohio State, definitely the best defensive line yep. on paper they'll face this year, I think. And then you put Michigan State up there as well, Wisconsin, you know, yeah. I don't quite think Notre Dame's at that level, but they're more than good enough to, I mean, I mean, there's obviously the potential Notre Dame could win that battle on Saturday, right? It's just, well, yeah, I mean, Tillery
0: was number eight in interior pass rushing last year. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Tilly, they're they're defensive tackled. I mean, they they they're a good defensive front,
1: right? Yeah. Just say like, but they're not. I wouldn't qualify them as like elite, right? So I think it's a good test for them to begin the season in that regard, where it's something that it's it's winnable, and it's a it's a unit that's good enough to where if they do win that battle up front, I really think they can build off of it going forward. You know, I think again, I think it'd be different if they were taking on like a a Wisconsin or Ohio State you know, to begin the season that, cause that, that's, it'd be a tough ha- task for them to handle, uh, in September, you know? So I think this is going to be a, uh, I think it's a, a perfect in a way, I think it's a perfect matchup for them. I mean, Harbaugh pretty much challenged them publicly too, um, said it's, you know, they'll have an opportunity on Saturday to, to show mm-hmm. how far they've come, or as far as we believe they've come, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I, I think uh, I I don't know. I tend to think I think they're going to be up for it just because I just think they're due. Uh, and and you know I've gone and said a few times I think Notre Dame is a team that is going to just is going to be a team that's going to be really good in November. Uh, I think they're going to be good in September, but they're just young and inexperienced in a lot of spots. And uh, I think they're going to be a team that's gonna, maybe. Maybe like Michigan last year is that they'll be really, really good in a lot of spots by the end of the year, but their quarterback play is probably going to dictate what their final record will be. Mm. Um, But, you know, so I don't know.
0: Yeah. By the way, because you mentioned you're not sure how to, you know, what evidence you can provide. I mean, you kind of laid it out. Three top 100 recruits in the interior who are not in their first year of starting. Right. right? They're, They're second and third year contributors. Uh, you know, I think the tackles are, are a very fair question. You know, it's not, based on the open practice and what we've heard, it sounds like it's Runyon by a decent margin at left tackle yep. and then and then Bushel Beatty by a smaller margin at right tackle. Uh so Is those that are
1: Clown gonna ever take his medicine about the whole <laughs>
0: He's going to say, Jaylen, yeah, Jaylen. yeah, yeah, he's going to come up with some spin about how Runyon really took it from God, him in camp. Yeah. Joker, dude. Yeah. yeah. That, that, it's so funny because, like, people bought in. and Like, he was so committed to it. But, it's um, how
1: it's, people will buy into anything.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. If you sound, if you ansiders, sound confident enough.
1: Yeah. If you sound like you know what you're talking about, people will believe If you. I've learned
0: anything about you know, while doing this podcast, that's what I've learned. Um, right. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, but right. you know, but I think one thing, you know, I, I just think back to last year when they didn't even have enough scholarship offensive linemen on campus to really do a spring game. You know, they kind of had to put all the guys on one side and then the other side was like more walk-on linemen. So
2: yep. so I, I
0: think back to that. I think, uh, you know, having sophomores and juniors is better than having freshmen and sophomores. And so, yep. and and I think... Again, they wouldn't have kept well, Bush of Beatty around if they didn't think he had more in him. Uh, at really least the new regime, and he's he's big. He was a, you know a lower four star guy, but fifth year guy is a fifth year guy, just like Runyon's a fourth year guy and kind of hit his stride. It sounds like so. So there's evidence, and plus, like they all gained weight. I think you know the ones that that were a little undersized for their position. Runyon, maybe Bredesen. Ruiz and Wayne knew I don't know what he weighs i i don't believe like
2: yeah
0: <laughs> three 300 something is yeah. is what is what yeah. he is I mean you know but he's for him they don't even they probably don't even check the scale they just say are you powerful enough are you fast enough you know so uh so there is some evidence that this line is you know because like like last you know we don't need to talk too much about last year but the idea is now they have five intentional starters. There's no one that they're starting because they don't have anyone else, so they don't have their exactly. answer. I mean they have, they have a, a strength versus strength battle at right guard. It sounds like they have at the tackle position, they have three guys that they're, they're pleased enough with that they'll play, and they only have two spots. Like that's something that didn't exist last year, best I can tell. So, no, like we talked yeah. about
1: with Elysio, Not No offense to Eulisio, but that, that battle between he and Runyon at right last year was more out of, yeah, that they just didn't have anybody. You know, it was a, yeah, it was more of a, we just, we need a body out here. And I'm, that sounds kind of harsh, but you get what I'm saying. Is yeah. Those guys I, uh, weren't at the proper experience level, maybe, uh, compared to their recruiting profiles. Like, in, in the idea that, like, there are guys that are recruited up front that you know right away are not guys who are going to be a first or second year guy. I mean, and they Neither are. of them were, yeah. Right, and they're recruited with that in mind. You know, like I look at uh, in 17, like Honingford is a great example of a guy who uh, I think Michigan recruited with like a sort of a three or four year plan there as uh, a guy who's going to take a little while to develop, especially physically, and would, would you know, be a guy that could, if he's going to make an impact, it's going to be. Maybe in his third year and beyond, not mm-hmm. immediately, and I think that's what you kind of happened last year uh, with those guys being thrust into that into that battle.
0: Yeah, so I think there's, you know, again, it, none. It could all go totally down the drain by like eight p.m. Saturday, but right. I I think that there's there's some evidence to believe it, and and I was not I was pretty skeptical. And then I don't know. Maybe I just trust Greg Madison a lot more than anyone else on the in the, in the pro. But once he said it and talked about it being more physical, it just kind of clicked with what Karan Higdon said. You know that they're just they're just bigger and stronger. You know, even you, we can talk recruiting rankings or experience or or scholarship situations. But you know, if everyone got if Ben Bredesen added fifteen pounds of muscle, he's probably going to be a little bit better this year.
2: Right? You know, there's I just.
0: Agree. There's just some mathematics there, too, so I'm trying to think if there were other questions that we think people would have asked, but i I know, oh, go ahead,
1: no, I was gonna say no, I oh don't think yeah,
0: yeah, I Outside mean of just you know
1: previewing this game,
0: yeah, yeah, we'll and we'll talk about that in a moment, and you know be sure if you wanna read my thoughts on these fall camp takeaways, because, uh, man i'm it was like this there were like five questions every single player got asked, and it it got a. Got a little old. So um, instead of instead of continuing to talk about that, let's talk about recruiting. We have not talked about recruiting much lately. August was a quiet month, as expected. That's not Michigan dropping the ball. That's just kind of the – Literally the time period. Yeah. But so. there is some note things to note here. Notre Dame and Michigan, if you have not caught on by now, run in very similar circles in the recruiting trail. They've run very similar other than quarterback – and maybe fullback they run very similar styles of play you know their their defenses are uh you know they want to be defense first you know they use their tight ends they want to be offensive line driven if they can they have big receivers so they run in a lot of recruiting circles there's there's a lot of battles there and Notre Dame chips on the table they're bringing a whole bunch of Michigan targets to South Bend Steve you know a whole lot more about that than I do i guess what what's going on here and, and what can this mean for Michigan?
1: I mean, I would, I would venture to say that Michigan and Notre Dame year in and year out tend to meet more on the recruiting trail than any other program, at least from Michigan standpoint. I mean, their, their whole starting offensive line this on Saturday are guys that Michigan like heavily recruited at one time or another with Alex bars and, uh, Liam Eichenberg and who's the other I'm missing somebody one of the other ones that they really recruited the heck out of Oh, Hainsey yeah uh, yeah the right uh, yeah. like Hainsey and bars were like arguably the number one target in the class on offensive line for at each of those cycles um and so yeah almost across the board Chase Claypool uh I don't remember if Michigan was really after Miles Boykin or not but uh particularly though in the trenches uh and and this cycle, 2019, they've met up quite a bit. And 2020, not going to be any different. I'm just looking at our Notre Dame affiliate, uh, who does a, they do a great job, Tom Loy, uh, with his list. I mean, you just go down the list. I mean, they got Cornelius Johnson coming in for an official. He's a big receiver target for them in 19. Uh, Walter Rouths, maybe a name to watch on offensive line. Uh, still, I'm not convinced there. And then in 2020, and 2021, which yes, we're kind of sadly, uh, getting to the 2021 portion now, uh, where those kids are being covered a little bit more. So, uh, but in 2020, I mean, you literally just go down the list here, Justin Rogers out of Oak Park, which, you know, I don't think is going to go to either of these programs. Uh, Darian Henry (laughs) out of Cincinnati is, is a guy that both these schools are after Michigan's after AJ Henning probably an Irish lean, but Michigan's after him too. Michael Carmody, I would say Michigan probably leads there. Is that Robbie Carmody's brother? Yes, yep, from okay. Mars. Who's Mars, going, to,
0: going to Notre Dame, but yep. Michigan he was heavily in in basketball.
2: It happens yeah. too. Yeah. I
1: don't know if Notre Dame has offered him yet, but I would say as, as of the schools that have offered, I think Michigan's his top school, I would guess. Hmm. Um, okay. Cole Brevard, uh, Carmel, Indiana. I think Michigan's in a pretty decent shape there early on Riley Mills, Kalel Mullings, uh, Bryce Mostella, Dallas Fincher, Braden McGregor, Gavin Williams. I mean, those are all guys in 2020 that Michigan would take and are going to be there. And then you get to 2021, you're talking Garrett Dellinger out of Clarkson, who's the number two player in the country. Uh, Jack Sawyer, the number three player in the country is another top Michigan target. Damon Payne out of Belleville, is a five-star level player. I think he's just like ranked in the top 20 overall in our first 2021 rankings. I mean, all these guys are going to be on campus. Uh, so for me, outside of maybe when they play Ohio state, just because Ohio state is one of those programs that tends to host like a ton of kids, like some schools approach it differently for big games. Some guys like to, or some schools like to concentrate their list to an extent and you know, maybe go a little more exclusive with it and focus on the guys that they really, really, really want for at least one of the big games. Uh, Ohio state will host like a ton of kids for their, every one of their big games. Uh, so outside of maybe a couple of those games with Ohio state and Michigan, I think this is one of the most crossover uh, road away recruiting opportunities that Michigan's had in a long time. I mean, a lot of Michigan's got a real shot with, Almost all of the guys that I named. Uh, Mostella, McGregor, for sure. I mean, I have a crystal ball in for both those guys. To Michigan, Mullings, crystal ball in there for Michigan. Like I said, Carmody's a guy, as things stand right now. Brevard. I mean, there's just a lot of guys there that Michigan will have a unique opportunity to impress. Uh, So
0: does that help? I I know you've kind of downplayed the must-win when you have a recruit on a visit. But, I mean, if they win and look very... Well, because as we said, they play similar styles. If they look very Notre Dame like, just more refined, and and they win, it, would that actually turn the tide with some of these guys? And, and conversely, if they lose, and kind of get get their teeth kicked in—maybe not teeth kicked in, but they they get beat beat up a little bit. Does it help or hurt them? Um,
1: yeah, I mean it, it's. You know, it's like, how do you measure that stuff? It's always difficult when people ask those types of questions as far as like, you know, it it definitely would be a, it, if they go in and win, it's definitely not going to hurt them. I would assume with any of these guys, that would be uh, very surprising
0: if it did. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: How much, but like, how much will it help? Yeah. I don't know. But again, these are kids who are undecided. Right. And so for a lot of them, I'm sure you know, they're going to South Bend, but I would assume that most of these guys, like, I I mean, honestly, I could probably maybe I should just ask one of these kids that question because I've never really gone that deep into it as far as like, you know, Hey, I know you're unofficially visiting Notre Dame, let's say. uh, But I know you're also heavily considering Michigan when you're going to a program to watch a game and you're interested in both teams. How do you kind of approach it on both ends? You know, because I, I I tend to believe it it, it could help if they win. Um, You know, I mean, again, particularly, let's say if the, yeah, let's say if the offensive line or let's say, let's say Gary has a huge game or something, right? Like if you're Bryce Mozilla or Braden McGregor, you know, you're going to notice that, right? Uh, Or if the front seven just dominates, uh, you know, it's, I would assume it's going to help, right? So uh, it's just a matter of like, I don't know how much, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it can't hurt. Just like if Michigan loses, they're not gonna help themselves much, if at right. all, with any of them, right? And well, unless it's like a classic yeah, the, there there is the there is the possibility you know, if it is like a classic game, uh that it it could it could help uh in some regard. Well you know, I still wonder like
0: close game where like one particular position looks tough. You could you could yeah, say I mean, hey you will play here right away. Right. Every yeah.
1: kid's process is different, but at the same time, a lot of them, it's, you can always, you know, a lot of it's sort of the same too. So, um, I guess I could ask one of these kids. I don't, I don't know if I will or not, but it is, it is semi-interesting to me to think about how you'd approach it, you know, cause with a few of these guys, like a guy like Mullings, like at my crystal balls in on Michigan. I probably bet Michigan, Notre Dame are probably his top two. Hmm. Right. And so how is he going to get it? kind kind of go about it you know, knowing that he's very heavily interested in both programs, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Yep. And I, I was, though. you know, I was doing my scouting and we'll we'll transition, unless you have more to add on the recruiting no, I'm, front, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, we'll transition to the Michigan-Notre Dame preview. And I was, like, looking through the position by position and it's, like, a lot of these, like, a lot of the, these positions are used very similarly to how Michigan uses them, like the tight ends. Like, they're going to target the tight ends, but they're also going to use, they're not just going to have one tight end that they throw to every single time. And, you know, the big bodied receivers and, you know, the slot people get in there, but they also do two running, you know, so on and so on. And as you said, I think both teams want to do trenches out, you know, start, start up front. Michigan hasn't put it together on the offensive side just yet, but their defensive line looks exceptional again. I mean, I don't know, If there has been a better, I know Greg Madison was at Michigan before, but man, getting him and just having that position you can always count on has uh, been—it's really probably saved Michigan a few times, you know, in some of these games. And so, anyway, to the Michigan Notre Dame preview, I will—we'll start with general thoughts. We're going to do general thoughts. Uh, Let's see, key, key, toughest player, biggest key to victory. We've got some over unders. And then we'll do a score prediction. Then we'll get out of here. So general thoughts, and and Steve, I, I I'll be curious your thoughts as well. I did the position by position preview. The by the numbers preview will be up uh, later today. And and the thing that was kind of strange is you know all all off season I just kind of assumed Notre Dame had like this dominant defense, and they have a good defense, and they return nine starters, and they have a lot of guys who kind of like Michigan. It's like their second their second rotation of the defensive line is a lot of four-star guys a lot of right. a lot of guys who can get to the quarterback really easily but it wasn't quite as the the defense wasn't quite as successful as i thought you know i thought i didn't realize safety uh, for example they you know they really like the the transfer they got from navy you know but it's one of those things where it's zero star transfer from navy is the safety that they're the most excited about and right. and at cornerback they Julian Love is very good he allowed just 37 receptions on 86 targets and at that rate I don't know why he's getting targeted 86 times but outside of him it wasn't exactly a a real who's who of dominant cornerbacks so I'm I, you know my general thought I guess if we're talking like one one thought is this is such a winnable game for Michigan. I don't know if they're going to win. I don't know what Michigan's going to look like. And you know, we talked about that last week. We'd much rather project what this season is going to be after this game because there's so many question marks Michigan has. But it seems like, you know, for a team that's similarly bringing back a similar amount of starters, I was kind of underwhelmed by Notre Dame. Now, I haven't watched everyone on film. I'm kind of looking at the advanced statistics, the statistics, how they did against one opponent or another. But you know, I, I I guess given how much I had heard about Notre Dame's defense all summer, you know they weren't even they were only top twenty five in like two or three defensive categories. Right. And so, so I don't know. Your one one thought you have entering this matchup, uh, just about the about the matchup in general.
2: Um,
1: I think. I think Ruiz and Tillery will be interesting. I think Caesar's ready to kind of take off here. Um, he played over 300 snaps last year. Is a guy I know they're counting on big time. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. I think if you're Michigan, kind of naturally. Here's the thing. I think I think one of the things about Notre Dame defensively is uh I think Troy Pride the, on the other side of Love. I think he's a guy that they really think is gonna is gonna
0: have a breakout season.
1: Yeah. And so I think that's part of why. Do
0: you know why uh, he played so few snaps last year? Was he just No, I don't the bent because no. he only no. he only was targeted twenty eight times. I think he only played like one eighty seven snaps, and you just mentioned Caesar Ruiz played double that. So
1: Right. I'm not sure why. I just in talking to to Tom and, and doing his, the research I've done on it, it, it feels like he's one of the few guys there that they really think is gonna, you know, cause I think they kind of feel like love is a shutdown level guy, mm-hmm. sort of what Michigan has in, with long and hill. Right. Uh, and I think they think pride.
0: Well, pride, pride beat out former Michigan commit Sean Crawford. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that's, I mean, it's notable. He beat out Crawford somebody was that was solid. a starter. Yeah.
1: He was solid last year for them. Yeah. So, um, I think that's one thing to note for them, but if you're if you're Notre Dame, I mean, I, I guess I just try to look at things logically. Uh, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to attack the edges because you're not sure how good Michigan's tackle is. Tackles are, mm-hmm. so you're going to attack the edges. Try to get Patterson to because I, I do that. There's one thing that in Patterson's history, uh, he not saying he doesn't have poise, he has poise, but I do think that he has a tendency maybe to kind of force things when the pocket starts to break down a little bit uh, when he does decide to throw it and not run. So if you're Notre Dame, you're going to attack the edge, try to collapse the pocket and make him maybe make a throw quicker or or in, in an area where he doesn't want to throw the ball from. And uh, that's why, like I said, I, I, and because of that, I think that interior battle between Ruiz and Tillery will be important because Michigan may be able to establish the run.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, it'll give them their best opportunity. But at the same time, I mean, you could really argue, you know, between Tillery and Coney, you know, those are maybe their two best defenders mm-hmm. along with Love. And so the, you know, running the ball up the middle is, is not going to be an easy task, um, which, you know, what about a guy like Ben Mason, you know, could be, could play a significant role right off the bat uh, as far as maybe trying to clear out that second level. So, um, you know, if you're if you're Michigan, do you just answer and try to run to the outside and kind of stay away from the middle? I don't know. I, that's what I mean. I the way Notre Dame's defense is built, uh, there are spots where they can be picked on. I I do think that throwing the ball down the middle is going to be a, a best case scenario for them. If they can do it consistently, I think Gentry, is a guy who can potentially have a big game.
0: Um, picking on the safeties and, absolutely. and maybe and the no, linebackers. I don't, I don't,
1: even Coney, I don't necessarily believe were that great in coverage.
0: Coney, uh, Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil, uh, I don't actually have their – I didn't write down their coverage stats, but looking at how they graded out in pro football focus, which, again, you know, you can take that to the bank if you want or you don't have to, but they were very much against the run guys. They were elite. Yep. Rated out as elite against the run, top 40 guys against the run, 201 tackles, 22 tackles for loss combined. The big one that stood out to me: 94 run stops. That's that's very very high for linebackers. That's right. higher than Bush and Hudson have combined. They weren't really used in pass rush, and I'm not. I don't remember them having outstanding coverage stats. So so it is. I mean, you you know, mention running up the middle. Maybe you don't want to do. But yeah, in in space. You know, because I think back to who are the best linebackers against the run Michigan has had. It's been like your Mike McCrae's, your Ben Gideon's, who were good football players, you know, great football players. But generally, linebackers who are good against the run, you can kind of pick on if you kind of get them moving or get them in coverage or get them, you know, kind of spread out a little bit.
1: So are are we talking ourselves into McCune and Gentry potentially having pretty big games?
0: Maybe. I mean, maybe. Think, about Gentria, when, think about yeah.
1: Think about when we broke down Patterson on Pro Football Focus where his strength was throwing the ball in between the seams. I mean, you're you're talking about that the potential is at least going to be there, right? And so um
0: you know, if you know, Michigan can pass. This was a general thought. And maybe this is maybe I should save this for the key. If Michigan can pass the ball like average, you know, average to above average passing game. I really like their chances because I think if if Notre Dame gets to stack the box, like they have enough bodies, they have the rotation, they can do that all day. I don't know if they have the capability to cover someone like Zach. Well, I don't know who has the capability to cover someone like Zach Gentry if he's really what he what we're hearing he is, or Nick Eubanks, right. or Oliver Martin, even or Grant Perry, or Sean McEwen, as you said, you know, just yeah. If they can if they can do that, that's probably gonna open some things up for them agreed so anyway let's i i guess i just kind of said mine uh uh well no let's do let's do toughest player so instead of toughest player let's do key player michigan has to handle and then a key player michigan would most benefit from having a breakout game or having a game that's like you know their kind of game so i will i can start um while you while you come up with yours i think i think tillery is probably a pretty obvious one um but i will i will switch to the other side if they can you know alex bars three year starter team captain i have not checked the mock, mock draft boards but i assume he's someone who if they can if they can make him look average you know instead of above average like he is I think that Notre Dame offensive line. I was kind of surprised to hear Notre Dame fans and experts aren't too impressed with the offensive line right now. But you know, Bars is kind of their Bredesen, right? So if you right. if you can figure out how to get around him, and I think Michigan has the personnel to do that. You know, Solomon, Duhamel, Winovich, well, they're Gary,
1: be throwing different bodies. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: And so you know, I think he's someone. If you can beat him. You're probably you probably have uh, Brandon Wimbush running around, and I don't know how good he is running around, but he's not especially accurate in general. So I assume running around might not be his his favorite <laughs> way to throw the ball. Plus, you do have the linebackers who can catch him if he's running around. You you suddenly their running back core because they're down. They they're missing their top two running backs from last year, and their third guy, Dexter Williams, might be suspended. So to me, Alex Bars is the the key. If for Michigan's defense kinda stifling Notre Dame's offense, and then a key player for Michigan, I'll take the the easy one that we discussed, Zach Gentry. Because you're right. If he can if suddenly he's got the safeties backpedaling or the linebackers, you know, trailing behind and he's open, gets a few passes, and suddenly they have to kind of change their scheme at halftime and and be more prepared for the pass. Because I assume they'll stack the box just like every team that's beaten Michigan in the past two years or past year or so has done. So if they can open it up with with someone like Gentry, they'll be they'll be in pretty good shape. So key, so for you, one Notre Dame player, one Michigan player.
1: Um, so I know he hasn't gotten uh I, I still think here's I'm just gonna say I still think it's Wimbush for Notre Dame, just because you know, Michigan has Don Brown or not, they've they've struggled a bit with quarterback second run and can make plays when the pot, when everything's collapsed. Uh, I think, I suspect, this is what I suspect. If I was Notre Dame, just like I talked about on the other side of the ball, offensively, what do you think Notre Dame's going to try to do? I suspect, you know, with their best running back suspended, or looks like he's suspended anyway, let's just say he is. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to try to go, they're going to try to run more spread. They're going to try to get Michigan safeties and one-on-one coverage. And they're going to try to get Wimbush a few easy throws to begin the game to try to get him into a rhythm, because it could, if he's that's kind of the wild card in this entire game. If Wimbush comes out and plays well and can throw the ball, then Notre Dame could easily win this game. I just think a mm. lot of people are just kind of assuming that it's not going to happen. So is this is a fair.
0: Jafar a Jafar Armstrong Elise Mac kind of game plan?
1: Yeah, just I think you just until it's it's the same idea as like with Michigan at tackle. Is Michigan's safeties and coverage, which again I don't they weren't as bad as what detractors say, but it was still on a defense that's as loaded as they are everywhere else, it was still probably the weak link. And and I think, you know, with a guy who's struggled with accuracy as much as Wimbush has, what do you want to try to do? You want to try to get him confident early, you know, and how do you do that? Short passes, easy easier, you know, design passes so that he's not you know, having to thread the needle early on, you know, and that maybe get him into a rhythm to where they can open things up a little bit more. So, you know, I still think getting to him early, uh, you know, whether that be by just good coverage or, you know, hitting him a few times or, or, you know, getting the sack or whatever, or forcing a turnover. Uh, I still think he's the most important player in this game uh, just because, like I said, he's, I think more than any single player in this game is a guy that if he comes out and plays really well, it could change it'll change the entire complexion
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and I know that you can always kind of say that with a quarterback but I think with a guy who like with where he's at what he's kind of looked at right now as a guy who you know he has a cannon of an arm he's good on his feet but he's just not accurate kind of reminds me of like what like a like a great like a like a like a reliever okay baseball
2: Wild know, the guy's thing. Got, yeah
1: yeah the guy's got the, the maybe the best fastball in the league but he can't hit the broad side of a barn with it you know <laughs> so it's kind of one of those guys that at the same time you still you know it could be that night where he's like well maybe this this is the night where he does maybe just finds the command yeah. of that fastball or whatever and okay. so you know, i think I think in that regard uh i think he is i think he's the most important player of the game if michigan can and i and i know they got a decent backup so if he stinks then they'll just throw book in there, yeah. Um, and I think book can be, you know, more consistent in the passing aspect. But Michigan can beat those kinds of quarterbacks. It's those guys right. that can get out and make plays with their feet that they've had. a – Like you know how Barrett would always, you know, three or four times the last three years or whatever, you know, at kept Michigan out of the playoff. Game. Yeah, with that right, scramble. With that, yeah pivotal points of the game would kind of worm his way for a first down and kind of keep a drive going or something like that. That's what I think, you know, Michigan's got to be afraid, got to be on the lookout for. Um, They have the defense that's equipped to stop it, I believe. Uh, But just again, can, will they be able to do it? It's on the road. And uh, so, yeah, what was the other part?
0: I don't remember. Well, we can just switch to keys to the game. One key on offense, one key on defense. Um, If you're ready, you can go first.
1: Key to the game for me. Well, I, I think I just (laughs) kind of.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Control control Uh, Wimbush on defense. How about for the offense? Key to the offense.
1: I think it's too too much of a cop out to say don't turn the ball over because that should be the key to any offense in any game ever. Yeah. Um, For me, yeah, I think it's attacking the seams, Uh, I think it's forcing Notre Dame to respect the pass in the middle of the field. Uh, I think that's their, obviously it's their best chance to open up the running game. I, yeah, I don't know. Again, I, that's the thing. I think we're, we're still sort of just assuming that Michigan's offensive line is going to be underwhelming. Right. I mean, I, you wonder if they'll just come out and try to just instill their, uh, you know, or uh, try to impose their will early uh, in the running Maybe. game to try to make some kind of statement. Right. But, you know, but it's, it's obvious that, you know, being able to throw the ball, down the middle may alleviate some of that. May alleviate them from having to deal with Coney constantly, uh, and so that's kind of where I'm at there. Uh, I think getting the ball down the middle, getting the tight ends involved, uh, could even it'll also maybe eventually could take some pressure off their receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I like we say, like we're saying, uh, you know, we talk about Collins has had a great camp. Uh, People's Jones, I think, is is my pick for breakout player. But Notre Dame's got a good one-two punch at cornerback. And I think their best chance to exploit the passing game early is Gentry, and yeah, maybe Evans. You know, get Evans the ball on the outside.
0: Well, you, you know, we we you- are in agreement on that one,
1: <laughs> right, right, right. And so you get him out there, and and I think both Peoples Jones and and Collins were actually plus blockers. Um, let me see here. I'm I am leaning on yeah people's jones fifty eight three
0: ooh that's not that great
1: no, but it was better than most of the receivers last year yeah. thats but but again just like just like at every other part of his game, i think he's a guy that just uh he's strong
0: just well, and he added nine pounds of muscle, you know i mean they're gonna right. get better he's gonna get better at blocking like it's not right. like he's it's not like an entire off season made him the worse worst worse or the same at blocking. <laughs> you know he right. went right it's it's Definitely. a it's a very much an upward trajectory skill yeah so my keys I probably I mean we've probably kind of said a few of the keys I think one for the offense that we haven't mentioned is if you if if Chris Evans and Karan Higdon come out looking like what they've been hyped to be you know and and True Wilson too congrats to him for getting a scholarship and the no, number three running back job but
1: Although, I love the... Uh-oh,
0: did people uh, freak out?
1: Well, I loved the reaction. So, you know, he pretty much... So we talk a lot about Christian Turner maybe winning that job. It appears he didn't make it through fall camp healthy. Yeah, Would that have changed it? We'll never know. But, I mean, Wilson was the leader in May
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we saw Harbaugh at Grand Valley. And the reaction when when Harbaugh publicly announced, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, third running. Well, but but now even when he announced it like last week or whatever that he was a you know, you get a lot of the, uh, oh well, you know, we have a great one two combo this year, so we might not need to use it. Like basically because the guy wasn't like a highly touted recruit, right? They're like, oh well, that's good, but you know, not really gonna need him. You know, <laughs> when when they're definitely gonna try to get the third rock back the ball
0: Harbaugh uh, under Harbaugh at Stanford and Michigan, the number three running back has averaged 50 carries a game or 50 you know, carries for, a year. Sorry.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: Chris Perry. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was just kind of yeah, typical so, comical, but you know,
0: I think, I think, and, and this is where we talk about those interior line, you know, Ben Bredesen, when Chris Evans and Kron Higdon had their best games, like I'm thinking Minnesota and Maryland, Ben Bredesen was meeting those linebackers five or six yards down the field. Michael and Wayne, who was like a literal wrecking ball, just like swinging around and just knocking somebody over. You know, if, if they can establish, I know this is like this is probably like just as bad as the turnover one. Like establish a power running game. <laughs> you know, I I you know and, and kind of avoid Tillery. Avoid you know by the way, who was top ten interior defensive. I think he was top 10 in pass rushing. Uh, I don't know how he was in run stopping, but the linebackers I mentioned, they're really good at run stopping. And so kind of meet those guys a little further down the field, you know, cause Higdon and Evans, if they get space, they can do some, do some damage. You know, and we mentioned those safeties, you know, if they can get kind of around that first line of defense, they might, they might be able to break something. So that's, Right, a, a very rambly version of. I was
1: gonna say, do you ever think it's funny when we're previewing a game, and then by the d- time we're done previewing it, we've kind of just talked about every player and every matchup, well, and how
0: I so some of that's on purpose because I do no, want I to give I, I want to give listeners, you know, I want them to know kind of the roundabout, you know, where things are going, and so this now now that you've called me out, I'm less thrilled about this other one, but on defense, <laughs> it's you know Lavert Hill, David Long, uh. You know, those they got some big. They got uh, you know, four-star receivers who are 6'4", 228 pounds. I mean, it's it's going to be a more physically, and again, Wimbush's inaccuracy might and inability to run might change things. But if if they can shut those guys down, you know, I know it's it sounds like it might rain. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a real shootout kind of game. But you know, if they do their job and and kind of create an island, well, that that allows Michigan to maybe, you know, slide in, you know, have more Sam packages, have more, you know, guys going at the quarterback, have more, you know, guys who are ready to contain if Wimbush sneaks out. So, you know, it's a very corny thing that I was just kind of trying to do to point out that Notre Dame has big wide receivers. But, right. you know, it's if if Long and Hill in a vacuum do their job, I think that really, really, really helps Michigan with – with some of the problems you mentioned that Wimbush can present and, and that that offensive line uh, might be able to cause. So anyway, like Agreed. I said, <laughs> I was just kind of, I, I, you know, when I was thinking about my keys, I was like, well, we kind of mentioned most of the keys, so I'll just say right. things we haven't mentioned yet. But over-unders, we got a few of them. They're from me, so they're probably not as good as Via Azul. I, again, I forgot to ask for questions. Uh, so um, Shea Patterson, this one will be you, Steve. Shea Patterson, 250 passing yards, over under? Thunder. Okay. Yeah, it's probably fair looking at the weather and that we have not seen Shea Patterson do anything yet. Karan Higdon and Chris Evans, two hundred and fifty rushing yards. I thought that was a more realistic number when I put it down than I do now. So I'm gonna say under. Uh probably under two hundred total. I mean it's just you know, they're not Notre Dame isn't Minnesota. It's it's hard to put up that many yards, especially you know, Michigan and Notre Dame, they both will happily do, you know, the seven-minute drives. You know, it's not like you're going to get that many carries anyways. Uh, Michigan, over or under one-and-a-half forced turnovers? How many? One-and-a-half. I'll say over. Okay. And then uh, Michigan, three sacks and six tackles for loss. That's a, that, I probably should have done half numbers there because that's probably about what I would guess they would have. I mean, the average... I didn't realize this, Steve. Did you know they led the nation in tackles for loss last year? I, I guess... Michigan? Yeah, they had 114, 8.8 per game. I'm not surprised they were in the mix. I'm just surprised no one else had more, because Michigan didn't lead the nation in sacks, and they didn't play the most games. You know, Alabama and... True. And, or Georgia played, you know, 15 games or whatever it was. Wisconsin played a couple, you know, one more. Um, so... But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So I'll say over on the tackles for loss, under on the sacks. I don't think they're going to get Wimbush that much. Um, One or more non-offensive touchdowns. So we'll set the over-under at .5 non-offensive touchdowns.
1: Even?
0: You think they get half a non-offensive touchdown?
1: (laughs) Well, special teams count. As a half but not off as a not offensive
0: It's not offensive. That can count. You think they get a special? You think someone uh, takes I'll it back?
1: Say, I'll say over.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh, by the way, we didn't talk about the special teams. Notre Dame has a senior kicker, who's solid under under forty yards. Okay, outside of it, they have a senior punter, who might be one of the top 15, 20 punters in college football this year. Uh, questions in the return game. So they're they're almost like. Well, I guess Nordine's kind of a a good kicker, but you know they're almost like Michigan feels good about the return game. They don't love their punting situation, so I don't know. Seems you think Notre Dame has the edge in special teams. I think you said that.
1: I do. Okay. Um, Just, but, but because I think that they have the advantage at punter. I think kicking is relatively even. I mean, are we are we at the point where we ask which Quinn Nordine is going to show up? I mean, is that kind of his early mo? Well, no. I mean, no. You're right. I hate
0: that line of questioning, though. <laughs>
2: like,
1: <laughs> he's, but he, but he's shown like some inconsistency early yeah. on, you know. Like, yeah. Um. So, and that, you know, that could also be weather dependent. But yeah, I think Notre Dame has the advantage of special teams just because I, I think their advantage at punter has got to be relatively. Yeah.
0: Consistent. Tyler knew some. I'm here's some stats: forty-three point six yards per punt, just four touchbacks on sixty-three attempts.
1: Yeah. That's. That's, That's superb. That, again, over the long haul of a four quarter game, those types of stats can really, really matter, you know. And so um again, another reason why peoples Jones is very important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Justin Yoon is their kicker. Fifty five of fifty five on extra points last year. Nine of nine on field goals under forty yards, five of nine on field goals over forty yards. So so probably a little bit more reliable as far as you know, can you count on him to make it? Then Nordine, but Nordine has the bigger legs. So anyway, uh, let's do score prediction and anything else we forgot to say. Steve, are you ready, or should I go first? You can go ahead. All right. So I will say Michigan twenty four, Notre Dame thirteen. I think Michigan's defense is. I I'm under the impression that it's the real deal. I don't know if. if this is where fielding questions would have been nice. I probably could have thrown an answer in here, but I think the defense does really well. I think the offense pieces it together uh, and Michigan wins by double digits, which I would not have predicted before I started researching on Notre Dame, but I just there was nothing there were very few things in previewing Notre Dame that gave me pause that Michigan could win this game. I know it's night game, I know it's on the road, I know you mentioned your special teams you're probably going to talk special teams every single podcast for for the next 4 months but so what yeah
1: <laughs> nobody else ever talks about it that's a thing nobody it's so important but nobody ever wants to talk about it but anyway keep keep going
0: uh yeah so so you know there are some there are some reasons Notre Dame can win and they, and they have experience you know their their offensive line is juniors and seniors in, in a lot of situations so it's a year older than Michigan's o-line i think the defensive front for notre dame is is formidable. We mentioned probably not at the level of those other elite teams that Michigan will face this year, but this is a very winnable game for Michigan. I think they can win and based on everything I've researched, I think they will.
1: Did you, what's your score?
0: 24-13. 24
1: to 13. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um Yeah, I mean, I'm picking Michigan to win too. It's just weird cuz they haven't won a road game against a wrecked opponent in like 12 years since I was at Michigan. Yeah, (laughs) And it's 16 games, 16 losses in that scenario. At Notre Dame. Yeah. It was Notre Dame. They dominated. Um, I'm not, uh, I think it's going to be a low score. I think what was the over under was like 46, which is crazy to me. That's a
0: very easy Uh, under.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Especially when, well, especially with the the potential weather factor too. Um, So I'm going to go, I'm going to say Michigan twenty, Notre Dame thirteen. Uh, I just think Michigan's defense. I mean, I just I think the offense is going to do good enough to just get a few first downs, score enough points, and make Notre Dame's defense have to drive all the way down the field. And and that's just again, there's so much value in that that they didn't have last year. We'll see how the punting game comes out and looks. Um, but I just, I don't know. I do on paper. It's one of those things where it's like, at the end of the day, you kind of just have to pick it on paper. You know, because you don't, there are so many variables and like you don't really know. On paper, I think Michigan's the better team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the fact that it's on the road is enough of an out over, like it doesn't overcome that fact. Um, you know, maybe if it was, if I thought it was closer, then I'd pick Notre Dame because it's on the road. But I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like Michigan's a better team on paper. I don't think Michigan fans are used to or are going to realize what it's going to be like to have an above-average quarterback play, <laughs> which I think Patterson will provide. Well, no, but I think that's kind of the, the yeah. thing, right? I'm, I think yeah. people are just assuming that it's going to be another, you know, and I know I'm only picking them to score 20 points, so maybe I'm not even really uh, giving the offense that much credit, but... Um, you know I just I do think it's going to be a lowest, lower lowerish scoring game. I think Michigan wins 20 to 13.
0: Okay. Well, there you have it. We both have Michigan winning by considerable number of points, not you know more than more than I think is being predicted nationally. Michigan. Also, I believe they've lost 9 straight games as an underdog. I'll I'll double check that uh, for a story on Friday, but Anyway, for for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. Lots of stuff between now and and Saturday, so so definitely don't want to miss out on that. And I'll be down in South Bend. Steve will have lots of great stuff as well. Uh, This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.